Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Do you think I deserve your full attention? That's what I like to hear. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen, and I'm your host, Max, and joining me here in the booth is Gideon. Hello. And today we are going to be talking about uh, two movies, one new, one old. And uh, we're going to be starting out with Star Wars Episode Two, one of my personal favorite movies. Uh, it is... To me, one of the greatest movies of all time ever. And I love it. I love Attack of the Clones. Everybody seems to kind of hate it, but I think that was part of them just kind of coming off the hate of episode two, episode one, Phantom Menace. But uh, there's there's ups and downs with it. I understand why people like it or, or dislike it. But to me, the only Star Wars movie that was ever better than it was, was uh, Revenge of the Sith, which came right after. But I loved it. If you haven't seen it, or I mean, by this point, I mean that means you probably just don't like Star Wars in general or aren't really into that. But um, I don't know. At this point, it's such a part of the the social and 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 media lexicon that you know it's almost needs no introduction. But uh, yeah, did, I feel did, like it did gets... you like this movie as? Or, or were you not a big fan of, of Attack of the Clones? Yeah, I think Attack of the Clones gets lumped in with the prequels in general. I don't feel like anybody ever really talks about it specifically. Um, I feel like the prequels are either labeled as, like, the three bad ones or, like, Revenge of the Sith is pretty good, but the other two are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I watched this, I kind of hated it. Um, I just, I, w- I didn't get it. It didn't really make sense to me. The story was very confusing. Um, the The CGI is... The way when I experienced it the first time, the CGI looked really terrible. Um, this time around, and then I watched it again. I liked it a little bit more. And this time, I watched it, and I I'm pretty close to calling this like just a straight up good movie. Like I, I really do think it has um, so much uh, to praise, um, and and so much to respect for for George Lucas's vision more than anything. Um, and I think. In terms of the story, it's it's trying for a complexity that the originals didn't necessarily have, at least not in the same way. Um, I think I think the originals are are, are complex in uh, their visual sophistication, but and and their and their their themes are 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 strong, but they're not. There's not the polit- com- more complex political interactions that you get here, um, which I find really fascinating. Also, just um, in, I feel like there's more complex just interpersonal relationships. I mean, you have this very black and white relationship between Leia and Han in the originals. Well, I don't know if I would call it black and white, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's, any not, more complicated. it's not any more complicated than 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 Anakin, uh, and, Padme. Anakin and Padme is. Um, but uh, speaking of Han and Han and Leia's relationship, I feel like this movie, in in so many ways. Is is Empire's twin, and obviously that's intentional. George Lucas has talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I, I can get into that a little bit later. But just in terms of, of the story that you get here, um, it's very interesting the directions that it goes because it, it's, it starts off with this assassination attempt on Padme. Um, and from there you get kind of the, the two different plot threads, which is a Star Wars staple, um, which I hadn't, didn't really recognize the first time, but it, it, it's, it's done very well here where you have the group split off and then as you reunited by the end, same thing happens in Empire. So yeah. you've got uh, Luke going off to, to train with Yoda and then uh, Han, Leia, uh, Chewie, Chewie, and 3PO. 3PO are off on their, their adventure. And then by the end, they, their, their plot Capture. threads dovetail yeah. in, in Cloud City. It's just, it's just a great story structure. And here, the same thing happens. So um, Padme is, uh, there's an assassination attempt. And then Obi-Wan ends up trying to find the killer or the attempted or the, the assassin. And then uh, Anakin is placed on uh, guard duty, basically. And they go off and fall in love, more or less. And by the like end, their, their two plot threads dovetail on. Um, uh, uh, gen genosis. Yeah. So I also want to say, like, one thing that kind of gets overlooked is why the assassination attempt happens, and it's because she's trying to vote, or she's she's kind of the most vocal voice, and she always right. is in terms of Star yeah. Wars politics. Her and Bail Organa typically are the two most like morally like good and 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 pure politicians. They're meant to be like the ideal. Uh, politician in Star Wars and just in general. And so she's the most vocal voice in a new uh, attempt to essentially vote down a bill to create an army of the Republic. And mm -hmm. she's a, she, there's a, multiple assassination attempts on her life to essentially take her out of the equation so that this grand army could be uh, successfully put into place. Now, because of the assassination attempt, she then uh, has to go back to... To, to Naboo for a bit with her Jedi protector, aka Anakin. Wait, hold on, go back. Don't doesn't doesn't Palpatine say though that if Padme was there, that's how they would get the army to be approved, and then they get He's, Jar Jar Binks to do it instead. Yeah, he manipulates him by by kind of putting that thought in his head that she would have supported it, even though she wouldn't have. Oh, so okay, that he makes sense. Yeah, I didn't pick up Jar -Jar. on that. Jar Jar. Yeah, that's I I see what you're saying. That makes it, sense. Yeah. So. Because again, I think that's that's one of the the, the th I don't I don't even know if you're gonna necessarily call it a flaw. It just makes it a little bit more difficult on a first viewing. Is that it has those sort of like more political complex. And I think uh, to a certain extent, like parts of the Caribbean, it was the same way. Where you, especially the third I one, I still don't understand the, the whole exchange between Jack like, Beckett and Will. Like I still can't follow that. <laughs> like that in one. Dead Man's Chest. No, in in World's, in World's End, End. Yeah. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the mo the moment where they're at they go to the the parlay at the at the beach, mm. and I don't think Nor oh you didn't say Norrington, Nor uh, but Beckett's there, yeah, uh, Jones Nor is there, Norrington, Will is there, yeah, everybody, oh. Barbosa is there. Jack, Jack and, and, and Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth, they're all yeah. there on one facing each other. And that whole s is like, there's, they, they're all their, all their, uh, uh, motivations have been set up prior to that. And then, but they're kind of talking in code at that point saying who yeah. knows what, and it's just great. Like you don't see that type of, uh, 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 complexity in terms of like making the audience work and remembering their motivations from earlier so that when they are saying stuff, you have to kind of put the puzzle together yourself. 
Um, yep. And here, in stuff like this, I love that kind of thing in a blockbuster. So I guess here it's just, I, I you, you're not fully picking up on it on first watch. It's not a pure adventure movie. Yeah. Um, like like Empire kind of is. See, and I, um, I... I mean, Empire's not a pure adventure movie, but you know what I mean. It's It's got yeah. that. It's got the... And I think, I, I don't know if you can call that a flaw of this movie, but Empire has that incredible structure where you've got the the spiritual journey for Luke happening on one side of the plot and then the pretty much pure adventure and romance stuff happening with Han and Leia. And I think that's a, a brilliant structure here. It's, it doesn't quite translate because Obi-Wan's got like a detective type thing and then yeah. and then Anakin and Padme is like entirely romance. And then Almost there's like politics in the middle. So the, the and not, well, not to mention that, but then you also have their romance. She then comes with him to go find his mother, who he's had a vision. Yeah. Of, so once of her. they do that, I love everything that happens after that. Before that, it's I I am just not really entirely on board with their romance. But the nice thing about it is that the way the structure is set up is you're constantly going back and forth between the romantic sections and Obi Wan's mission. So if you're yeah. not if you're not on board with the Padme stuff, like it's gonna cut back to Obi Wan and everything that he does. Is really awesome. So, yeah. Other than the the Dexter Jexter thing, I don't <laughs> I, mind that. Obi Wan, you know, come on, he's, I, that's he's fine. Just I don't like the design of that set. I think it looks way too much like it's, it's like so great, what would happen though. on Earth. It's just a it's just an a diner, a fifties diner in Star Wars. It doesn't make sense to me. I feel no, like you that's can do the aesthetic of Star Wars. Star Wars is always meant to be retro like but that. It's, it's too meant to be. It's too similar. It needs to be more different. Like the nightclub scene. Where they go into the nightclub looking for for what's her name that the shapeshifter lady yeah. that that works because you've got enough like weird lighting you've got enough aliens you've got enough weird stuff happening there that it feels Star Wars the the diner scene I'm just I just don't buy I, f I feel like Dexter Dexter as a character I'm fine with <laughs> even though he's a little bit eh, 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 but yeah, the, the tone fits. Fun, there's other though. characters well, like that you can tell, so I, I mean, buy what it. I like about it is that there's all this untold history between him and Obi-Wan that is just you know you just go along with it it's like you don't need the explanation for it these guys are just they've been buddies forever and you can you can tell that Obi-Wan like this is the first time you really see Obi-Wan has a friend other than Anakin or Qui-Gon Really? Like a real friend outside of it. Yeah, I wouldn't, Obviously I wouldn't, that's call, upon, I wouldn't call Anakin his friend. I would say it's more of a father-son type relationship. Like even, just I'd say well, I would use Obi-Wan's words, you know, they're like brothers at the at you know, even by this point. Well, I would I think that here it's like father-son and in Revenge of the Sith it's like brothers. Yeah. Because because they because the 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 father son thing is the thread that's the kind of what happens in this movie because they because he keeps talking he keeps he continually like chastises him and says what are you doing man um and well, and that, good and, job she went completely the other way <laughs> yes <God>. yes yeah. <laughs> every that whole scene is great though like when I love when when three PO's like. <laughs> I, uh, when he's like, I'm beside myself or whatever, and it's his head actually literally by him. Yeah. yeah. Well, dude, this movie has a lot of great one-liners. I, I will say that. Um, I also want to say that this movie, I think, has the best music in all of Star Wars. Yeah, it's pretty great. The the Well, one, you get the introduction of like the Across the Stars theme, which is probably... Which literally carries the romance. Like... Li like on its back, like that's that score should be that uh, should score. have its back broken from carrying the Anakin Padme romance. I, I, I see if I if I had a time machine and I just had I could do all these fun things, I would take the entire score of this movie and bring it back and and ha let Mozart listen to it. And I would say I wouldn't tell him what it's about or anything. I just want him to to listen and and like 
I want him to explain what he thinks the story around this would be if I told him, hey, this is an opera. This is the music for an opera. Like, what What do you think this is? So I, I would love to get a his... space opera. Yeah. Well, it is. It always has been. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, this movie especially, I, 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 there's a great analysis on the... On the uh, it's like an hour long, but somebody breaks down all of the government stuff in throughout these movies um i think it's called how liberty dies it's on youtube mm. and it's it's fantastic but really these movies are so much about just how a republic falls mm -hmm. and how an empire rises from its ashes yeah and how it can be corrupted and and turned on its head and i yeah. i love that i love that storytelling i love the I romance in this i i think everybody gives Hayden Christensen such a such a a hard time for something that I, think I he thought did his fine. performance in this one is great. Yeah. I, I was very like I I, I didn't I previously did not like it. This time I was surprised by the amount of like emotional nuance that he brings to it. Like that scene after he after he kills the same people is like genuinely terrifying. Yeah, and he's like well, his that and he's hold, his, holding his mother and there's the burial and yeah, like I think I genuinely think he gives a like unironically good performance here. Yeah. I, I, I I do I think some of the writing in terms of what he has to say to to make the romance work doesn't doesn't is what people I think identify when they say that his performance doesn't work. But like in terms of the dramatic heft that he has to do in terms of his, his fall from grace is yeah. very excellent stuff. I think and um, everybody gives the whole, I hate sand line, a lot of crap, but you know what? I, I it, but it works. But when I, you I actually did, look mean, at the line, it totally works. I mean, I know the point is that he's from Tatooine and the Tatooine well, stuff is sand and he that's where he comes from and he's he's like well, Luke leaving the it, thing in the It's about well, it's about their difference in in how they grew up and how how from two completely and not to be super literal with this terminology here, but from two completely different worlds, you know. He, he was a slave boy with, with no future ahead of him until she came into his life. And she was always this 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 royalty who pretty much had this life of luxury, even though she, not to say that she didn't earn everything that she's done, because Padme is probably one of the strongest female characters of literally all time. Uh, but but her interpretation of sand versus his is just so, it's it's just a mirror of, of the lives that they had lived before each other and and... and I think it's beautiful the way that it is that it is and you can say it's written cornerly or whatever but I feel like it works and and somebody also I I remember hearing this like breakdown of how Lucas writes dialogue and in Star Wars especially everybody's very direct in what they in mm -hmm. how they speak yeah. and and there isn't yeah. and people fault that but it is the tone that's happening in in these in these films I think um there's times where it where it doesn't quite work even for the even for what it's going for but i think most of the time like that that's what its goal is and it accomplishes that goal yeah um i i do think that the i i found really interesting the stuff um uh where padme is strong but also where she is sort of like a flawed character in the sense that she has because if you think about it she's going to eventually die as a result of of this of kind of her her choices here um, in terms of allowing herself to fall in love with Anakin and whether or not that was a, a good idea or not. And I think even more interesting than that I find throughout these three movies is is the the sort of reflections on the Jedi Order. Like I, I the, the, pol the political stuff is is really interesting and the Jedi play a role in that. Um, but I think the thing that I find the most interesting about the prequels is its dissection or not this yeah, sure, dissection of the the hubris and uh, folly of the Jedi and the Jedi Order uh, as a whole. And, I mean, to kind of break down 
the whole and how they fail Anakin and allow yeah. him to turn to the dark side in the first place. Yeah, and, and it um, really is. There's so much that that happens that leads into it, but that uh, I mean, I feel like the real turn is is played out in Episode Three, which I believe we've already reviewed three. But, we did, but uh, but with this movie, there's they're, they're already are they're placing the the seeds to this and 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 the loss that he that he feels and this choice to follow his heart and to marry her and to you know, now just kind of have to live a double life for however long he thinks he can maintain it because he knows that the moment the Jedi find out, he's gone. Like, it's completely against the code to do what he has done. I mean, well, that's with an asterisk because there are Jedi who have married and ones you see in the movie. So, like, uh, Kiati Mundi, for example, he, uh, he actually is married. I think he has multiple wives, but that's because his species is, like, endangered kind of. So it's a matter of him just actually having to have a wife so he oh, can repopulate and be part of that. Yeah, it's really weird. But but he has a wife, but like no... The thing is you can love in the Jedi Order, but you can't have connection. And the difference being like if you're a fr- if you if you can't let go of that person, which is Anakin's issue, is you you do all this stuff to prevent losing that person. Whereas the the Jedi code kind of is like you have to understand nothing is nothing is set in stone. Everything changes. If you're going to lose something, you lose that, and you can't just sit yeah. and 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 fester on that idea of trying to stop change. Mm-hmm. And that's that's essentially Anakin's major folly and his his one real issue with the Jedi Code. Which, by the way, connection like that still isn't really allowed in in Luke's order, not the one that we see in the movie or movies slash Mandalorian slash book to Boba Fett, but, uh, but in the books and expanded universe, it was always like he allowed people to have relationships and he, he kind of fixed certain things in the order that seemed to be useless taboos almost. Mm-hmm. But I liked that. Uh, let's quickly get into scores, scores here. Yeah. Story. Or sorry. First impression. First impression. Attack of the Clones for most of my life was my favorite Star Wars movie. I think as I got a little older, I could appreciate Revenge of the Sith even more, just because it does everything Attack of the Clone does really well, plus it amps up the action, plus it amps up, like, the darkness to Star Wars, and I mm-hmm. really appreciated that, and I feel like it it finally was like, this isn't just, a, you know, a movie just for little kids, you know, this isn't just to sell toys, this is to send a message and to to really be art, and, and Attack of the Clones was really the first giant step towards that, and I still think it is my second favorite Star Wars movie, and there are so many reasons why I love it, and if it's ever on, I love it. So my first impression of this was definitely a 10. Um, okay, so this is not how I feel now, but the first time I saw this, I hated it. <laughs> um, so I would probably give this a 2 for first impression, even though that's not how I feel now. Um, why did you hate it? I just didn't get it. Like, I thought the story was stupid. I didn't know... I didn't get how old are you? This was, like, when I was... This was not that long ago, like maybe four or five years. Um, okay. So, but Wait a I so was, you you didn't see Attack of the Clones until like the end of high school? No, because so I would I was I was basically like um, I had seen the originals, and then when Force Awakens came out, I saw Force Awakens, and then that was kind of like my introduction into Star Wars, like like what I released. So I watched Force Awakens, and I would, and then I watched the originals again, and I loved them even more than I had when I was a kid. Um, and that, and that's kind of what got me into Star Wars. So by the time I went back to watch the prequels, 
I was like, this is so tonally different from what I knew mm. in terms of uh, Last Jedi, Force Awakens, and then the originals. Um, so I just sort of like rejected it because it was it was not tonally what I wanted or expected. Um, even though story-wise, um, it fits very much in with what happens in the originals. And even tonally in some respects that we don't, that people don't recognize, I don't think, I think the, the, the originals have that kind of like weird, like funny, sort of funny, sort of cringy, like attitude in them like that's still there yeah that still happens oh it's all um, lucas man that's yeah, the like beauty that's, of it he right, didn't change his, his character did not change at all like i think you just have it's just the the, the digitalness these. of it also was off-putting to me how um, do you do coruscant with practical okay, though? and so that's, that's what thing. i said this time that's exactly what i said this time because i said hold on a second and i i understand so what i said was we don't shoot wide shots anymore in in our blockbusters and i think the reason is because these close and medium shots allow for a smaller scope and more practical elements the only issue is that they don't use practical elements they but they still shoot everything in close up and everything looks terrible in modern blockbusters but the digital vistas here are like jaw dropping like you can't do that stuff necessarily practically um you could maybe but like you like the no. way it uh, the effect here is is incredible now i um, want to say there like the establishing some, shots yeah. are 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 literally goaded um and they look way better than the ones that like he added retroactively to the originals because the one because there's a bunch of those things like those those the same type of establishing shot and you can tell that that's his like that's what his vision was when he made the originals, but they don't fit because he didn't make those when he was making those original movies. But here they fit in with the aesthetic perfectly, and I and I really loved that because it like one they're beautiful, but two they give you a real sense of the scope of the universe, and and not only that, but like as it existed in his head, yeah, Lucas's head, and also uh, there's a good chunk of actual practical effects in this too, yeah. like the the uh, what like is the it? entire pit. They, I was they just about made, to say the Gene Ocean Arena. For, yeah. Was that Pat Patanka Arena? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, the arena. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what the name of it oh, is. I have no I, idea. I know the name. I think it's like Patanka Arena or something like that. Um, but that, they made a model for that. Like the the wide, the really wide shots before stuff actually happens where they're tied to the pillars. Those That's real. And the only thing that's like input there was the, the Gene Oceans themselves. And obviously the, the, the beasts. But... Um, it's it's incredible what they were able to do with that. I yeah yeah. So next category is story. I love and see this is the thing, man. I I'm almost all like all for this movie. I I love the story to it. Like it's cool and it's it's it's. I I really dig how it splits off and Obi Wan's side is interesting, but also Anakin and Padme and their whole thing and trying to find his mother is interesting and you get a little bit of like your first look at. Owen and Baru, like way before. Yeah, I loved that. And, I loved that. And you get to see Watto, like, hey, what's he been up to? You that know? I don't really care about. But. Yeah, he's like, you know, but seeing him uh, recognize yeah, Anakin, right. yeah, that well, was cool. No, but and, so I said this. So he doesn't re initially recognize him. No, but it's so, until Anakin. But what happened was the entire beginning of this movie. A bunch of people keep remarking on how unrecognizable and growing up Anakin is like they don't know who he is at first it's a motif that runs through the whole thing so like he does it I know Padme does it um, so I so I know so it happens more than those two times but when he meets his mother and she's been beaten almost to death she looks at him and instantly knows who he is 
Mm-hmm. And I found that very moving because it's like that 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 cap on that whole thread that's been running throughout the movie. Um, and and that and it demonstrates like it like how strong their relationship is. And because it's such an emotional moment, it you you buy into the action that he takes yeah. um, as retribution for that. Um, and you and that that whole sequence emotionally. And I think that her recognition of him is is uh, integral to that emotional sequence. Yeah. If, you, if you take that out, I don't think it works as well as it does. And I think the story threads of like establishing this mystery of where did this grand army of clones come from and, and you know, which by the way, what's really I think interesting it could is be Jango, played better. I think it could be played better. It's not as clean as I would want it to be, but like the mystery I do like. But what's weird is Django never lies to Obi-Wan. At any point. Their relationship is awesome because you can tell the respect that they have for each other um, when yeah. they first meet. And they're like, they're eyeing each other down, but then they end up having their fight on... Uh, well, that and and Jango has history with, with against Jedi. Like, he really hates uh-huh. Jedi. He's fought them before. He's, you know... And I'm going by the the Lucas era story or, or Lucas era telling of how this all happened. And this implements, like, the Star Wars Bounty Hunter video game and the story behind that, like... So, you know, everything he says is backed up is backed up by that Star Wars Bounty Hunter game. And it is true that he really was hired by Tyrannus and he had just all he had done is defeated essentially a dark Jedi. And it's it's just it's just really cool that that he doesn't have to lie, but it still is like still a mystery. Everybody tells the truth, actually, now that I think about it, because Tyrannus kind of blows the whole lid on the, the evil yeah, plot. I was too. very surprised, but I was not but, sure exactly what was going on there because I was like, okay, so is he like being manipulative here or is he doing the same kind of thing that so obviously it's a it's a mirror of what happens with Vader and Luke in Empire so there's a whole bunch of mirrors to Empire so there's that where he says to Obi-Wan straight up join me and we will defeat uh 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 Palpatine basically you mean Luke no, he tells uh, Obi-Wan to join he, him? Yes. When does he tell I don't remember that line. So Obi-Wan is like captured and he's got he's got like a, a force shield around him that's keeping him in place, and and Dooku comes up to him and it's like, yo, uh, no, no, Palpatine's I thought you, can, no, I thought you were, I thought you were saying in 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 a New Hope or Empire, no, no, okay, so in, in this like, movie, no, Dooku yeah. says that to him yeah, and he says he wants him to he join. Says, uh, join me. Uh, Palpatine's controlling the Senate, or he doesn't say he, Palpatine. He, he says a dark somebody, lord of the dark Sith lord's is controlling the Senate, and but if you come and help me out, then we can go take him down. And the same thing is, and it's mirroring what happens in Empire when when Luke has got his hand chopped off, standing on the thing, and and Vader's like, join me and we will rule mm-hmm. rule the rule the galaxy. Um, the thing that I was confused about with Dooku though is like, does he? Is he like being genuine? Like, does he actually want to rebel against Sidious, or like, like why would he tell that to Obi Wan? That doesn't really make sense because, so because as far weird, as I know, he's on Sidious's side entirely. What's weird about Darth uh, Tyrannus and AKA Count Dooku is he is actually out for the good of the galaxy. He is, although he right, is that's a bad what I guy. Thought. That's what I thought. He is, although because, he is a bad I, guy, I really he's, was interested in that complexity and no. that. So I wanted to see more of that. So let me, yeah, let me explain a little bit about his character. So he was, uh, I believe he was, was he Qui-Gon's master? I'm trying to remember whose master he was in relation to Qui-Gon. Or him and, and Qui-Gon were like allies or something. I'm trying to remember what their whole deal was, if they were like pretty much as close as Anakin and Obi-Wan were. I'm pretty sure they were. They were they had the same kind of dynamic. Uh, after Qui-Gon's death and after the kind of the rise of the, the the new Sith with Palpatine and Maul, uh, 
he had left the Jedi Order right around the time of Episode One, and for ten years he kind of just disappeared. And then around this movie, he had emerged, leading the separatist. Uh, movement, which is w- what this whole thing about this building up of military is about, is because they are right, afraid of the he separatists. Knows that the, but he's saying that he's leading the separatists because he's trying to... Yeah. Well, he feels that, that the Jedi Order and that the Republic is being are, done, are which corru- they are. No, well, they're corrupt, but the, they're corrupt and they actually don't have... They don't... They have the ability to make the galaxy a better place and they actively choose not to and there are some things in comics and other stuff that kind of led into that and explained it and there are reasons why he feels that way so he felt that they were just kind of not really helping anybody anymore and he wanted to start anew so he began to lead the separatist movement and then he's trying to build up a military for the separatists through the banking clans through the uh, techno union army the trade federation which by the way trade federation is playing both sides the entire time through all of these movies and the clone wars and all that which is just wild i still don't understand after all the times you catch newt gunray and all these other dudes you still let the trade federation have a seat on the galactic senate it's just stupid <laughs> But, but it plays into the whole idea of corruption and all that in the in the Republic. But yeah, yeah. well, and his role is sort of similar to to Christopher Lee's role in Lord of the Rings, actually, because he plays he yeah. plays Saruman, who's who uh, basically is was the the White Wizard, and then he, and then he's like, yeah, well, we're basically screwed anyways, <laughs> so I might as well uh, help out Sauron and try to get some. Uh, to save my save myself. But yeah, essentially, um, he was manipulated by Palpatine, saying that he would be able to use his newfound power once the Empire is out is up there to actually. You even know, though Palpatine's plan was to ice him all, ice oh, him the entire time. It was never to. It, no, it was, if Anakin hadn't come around, Count Dooku would have been the main squeeze for him. But oh yeah, but I thought he knew that Anakin was wasn't Anakin always the plan. Anakin only only once he was introduced to Palpatine. He didn't know about Anakin before Episode One. Oh, I thought he did. No. Um, um, wouldn't he have like sensed his power in the dark side of the forest when he was even a kid? No. Um, I thought that was implied in episode one. I might be wrong though. Maybe when um, he's close to him, but not across the galaxy typically. Well, they're like in the same room at the end of episode one. Well, that's the thing. He's like, you know, what, watch your career with. Yeah. Close well, anyway, so that. the other thing about the story that I wanted to say was that I, I, there's this, the idea of like talent and wisdom uh, kind of, that kind of runs throughout and how Anakin has this inherent talent, but he doesn't really uh, take the time to be wise about it yeah. and and use it uh, uh, with with uh, intent. So there's that scene where Obi-Wan is um, chasing Jango and he and the entire movie is talking about how he hates flying. Um, and he's not a good flyer, but then in that scene, it's not his flying skills. It's not flies. his. It's not his inherent talent as a as a as a pilot, but it's his ingenuity and wisdom that allows him to escape that situation alive. Yeah, which I don't is kind of flying, but what you're doing is suicide. <laughs> what you're doing is suicide. <laughs> um, and so I think uh, once Anakin and Obi Wan kind of their plot threads disappear or split, there's not a, a really chance for Anakin to prove the other side of that as much, like his his talent. But it, it does show up. Um, like like when he kills the sand people, it, it sort of shows his like untamed uh, or his talent when used improperly can mm-hmm. cause a lot of damage. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, but I yeah. think that's all, all I really wanted to say. Um, for so story, for story, yeah. my score will probably be eight. I'm gonna give it. It's not as it's not as as uh, clean as Revenge of the Sith is. Yeah. It, uh, I'm gonna give it a nine though for a story. There's definitely some uh, issues in terms of like clarity 
Um, there like, is. Like, it takes a few watches to really understand all of the political happenings. And like, who is? Like, I was confused about who is the one who actually asked for the clones to be made, and why did the Jedi? Like, was it, was it Dooku? Well, Dooku and it was. Uh, it was a. Uh, they. I think they manipulated Master Sifo Dyas. Okay, because I was so confused. It, I was. I almost thought Sifo Dyas well, wasn't. Was du a co another code name for Dooku for some reason. No, he actually was a real Jedi okay. who was, I believe, a council member, and he left the order right around the same time Dooku did. And I think Dooku. I might be wrong on this part, but I think Dooku and Palpatine manipulated him, and they did that. Dooku was the one who bankrolled it. He paid. For the clones, okay, because he's he was he literally do, is a count. He has yeah. the. I'm trying to remember what his planet's name is, but right. he is like royalty. Well, and this isn't necessarily a plot hole, but I think it's just hilarious how like the the army shows up, and it, it initially it seems like a plot hole, but I think it's just what the story is doing thematically, and then army shows up, and they're just like, yeah, we'll take it, and they have no idea where it came from. Well, and the Clone Wars expands <laughs> on it that they realized before Order sixty six that th I mean that this was some sort of evil plot. But to to essentially say that to admit that the Jedi were wrong in accepting the help of the clones right. was, and you can't and you can't just say we're gonna not fight this war anymore because now they're in the middle of a war against essentially the biggest military ever assembled in the droid army. You're you're in this insane war with them. You can and you find out that the clones are a plot. You don't know what the end goal is, but there's something about them. And you, you, if you turn it down, then nobody would have any sort of... There would be rebellion all over against the Republic and the Jedi themselves. Yeah. All right, so next category is acting. Acting. Uh, see, I don't mind the acting in this. I think... The, I think they're doing what they've been that what they set out to do. Yeah. I, I mean, everybody says that the acting is really, is really wooden, but I don't think that. I think... Padme and Anakin are both great. I think I don't think Padme is nearly as good as Anakin is. I think Padme, I think she does not know what movie she's in. Mm -hmm. I think she's trying to be act as like a, a normal, serious, regular role uh, that doesn't fit into Star Wars. I think Anakin and Obi-Wan definitely, or sorry, Ewan, Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen both understand kind of the assignment a little bit more than she does. Natalie Portman seems like she's in a different movie. And here. Well, I'm happy they toned down Jar Jar a little bit. I don't hate him as much as everybody hates him, but I still don't love the character. But I think Tamar Morrison is great, and he's he's fun. And, yeah, he's and, and Christopher Lee is fantastic, and I can't think... Uh, uh, Ian McDermott is great. Like, there really isn't any... I mean, Star Wars has yeah. always had great actors around it. I don't think there's necessarily been anybody bad at acting in Star Wars. I, yeah, I can't so think I will so. give this a seven for acting. I'm going to give it a... Oh, man. I'm going to give it an eight. All right, look and feel. I'm so, going to give it an eight for this as well. Yeah. Um. I mean, there. some of the stuff doesn't hold up great, but yeah, it's some the of it state of fake, green screen in like yeah. 2002. It's find, very find, impressive for, for, what it, for what it is, for when even it though was, some stuff does not hold up necessarily. I mean, you were they, were... they were at the cutting edge of ILM you know, technology. Yeah. So they couldn't have done better. There is no faulting them for being, I mean, they had pretty much an unlimited. Well, it, you're, you're, uh, with the assumption that you're not doing it practically because the originals look better, or I don't know if I want to say look better, but they look, they look more real than this does. And they will, and they will Sometimes. always be the, the, the pinnacle of, of not, that. Not always. It doesn't always look more real. I, I think it pretty much does. I, they feel very gritty and lived in. 
um, the where these sometimes do, but not always. I think um, I'm going to give this. I think I'm going to give this an eight as well. There's some really interesting stuff. I love that shot where uh, Yoda's floating on his thing, and then he comes up, and then they do like a dolly zoom as it's panning to the left, and like it brings the thing as Yoda's floating into the foreground. I just yeah, his like this is like okay, yes, yeah. more things like this in blockbusters, please. Um, I'll give this. I think I'm going to sit with, and and I think the score also definitely lifts that 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 score up to an eight. The the score lifts the score. Um, oh yeah, looking shoot. Now I almost got to give it a nine just for having prob arguably I think the greatest film score of all time. Was it eight or nine? I'm going to give it a nine. All right. Next final category is experience. I've always loved this movie. Uh, this was this was the I I remembered seeing. I was in like preschool when this came out. I remembered seeing trailers, but I don't, I didn't uh, fully grasp everything. I didn't really watch a Star Wars movie until three came out, until Revenge of the Sith. So uh, I don't, I don't really have too much of an experience from like my first viewing, but I do remember I loved this movie pretty well, much. That's what right first impression is for. Experience well, is like yeah. what you, when you just watched it. And, and I still love it. Well, that's the thing. I still love this movie. It's, I'd give it a nine out of 10. It's not my all time favorite Star Wars movie, but it's my second. So, I mean, and Star Wars is my favorite series ever. So, yeah. I think I'll go seven or eight here. I think I will go seven. It's I'll go eight. I, it's a, it's an enjoyable watch for sure, uh, which okay. gives us a... F or should I go after the break? No, no, no. You can give us our score right now. Final score is a 78 out of 100. 78 out of 100? Uh, where does it stack up compared to the other Star Wars? So, it puts yet? us next to... Oh, compared to the other Star Wars? I don't know. I think Revenge of the Sith is higher. Okay, but uh, what is it? What is it near with the seventy-eight? Uh, the Snyder Cut, Last Night in Soho. This is definitely a better movie than Last Night in Soho. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, well, we're gonna take a quick little break, and then when we come back, we're gonna be reviewing the Green Knight. So stick around. From Feature Story News in Washington, I'm Simon Marks. Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov has admitted for the first time that a significant number of Russian troops have died on the Ukrainian battlefield. Nobel Peace Prize winning Russian journalist Dmitry Muratov was attacked today. Red paint was thrown at him on a train, damaging his sight in one eye. And the Senate has voted to confirm Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson as the first black woman to join the U.S. Supreme Court. There was this one time I went camping with my parents in a forest back when I was maybe like eight or nine. It was amazing. We could hear the sounds of the forest all around us. Frogs singing and owls calling and a creek nearby. I'll definitely never forget it. Most of us have a memory of being in nature we'll never forget. Let's protect the world's natural places so more memories can be made for generations to come. Visit worldwildlife.org. And we're back here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen. Gideon and I just finished up our review of Star Wars Attack of the Clones, and now we're going to be talking about The Green Knight. Uh, this movie came out within the last year, uh, or maybe year and a half, yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, 2021. Yeah, last summer. So it came out, uh, kind of seemed to be an RTA24 film. Typically, I like A24, but this one... Um, was not my favorite for sure. Uh, a quick summary of what this movie is about. So it takes place um, kind of after the whole typical Camelot tales. You know, you have King Arthur kind of being old and you still have the Knights of the Round Table all there. And then you have the nephew of, um, who is it? So it's it's it, Arthur's nephew, uh, Morgan Le Fay's son. Yeah. So it's his, it's his nephew and... Uh, 
he's essentially just kind in of in this movie. I don't think that's how it is in the in the original poem. But yeah, so he's he's kind of just trying. He's not a knight yet, but he is starting to build up a relationship with with King Arthur briefly, and then they're all all the knights of the Round Table plus him plus the king and a few, you know all other sorts of people are having a big kind of Christmas celebration, uh, and then this. I guess you could say spirit of the woods kind of night known as the green Knight, rolls up, crashes the party Called by his mother. Yeah. Which is weird too. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. Yep. Uh, but he rolls up into the party, kind of crashes it, throws down, throws down a challenge. He's like, if anybody can uh, land, land a, blow, a blow, then I'll return then it. I'll give you this. I'll give you this battle ax that, brings fame and fortune to the person who who wields it and then in a year you have to meet me in this place and And i will return return it and Mm -hmm. that's it knowing that why would anybody do what he did (laughs) because it literally so there's a line like he says whether it's a nick on the arm or a full-blown like because so he wants he wants honor Oh, okay. I don't really see and the he honor. Doesn't, he doesn't really well, see the. He either a doesn't see the 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 gravity uh, of the, situation. the gravity of the situation and the and the consequences that will happen in a year, or b doesn't care and believes that he will somehow be able to to skate them, which is what he ends up doing using the cloth. Well, um, hold on, hold on. So let's let's back it up. So he decides to straight up. Well, are we gonna are we gonna are we gonna go into spoilers for this? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we should. I have to. I have so much. To, I have too much right, to say. We're gonna, we'll spoilers. go into a little bit of spoilers in this. I mean, he he beheads this Green Knight. Green Knight picks up his head. Yeah, and that's the in the, that's in the trailer. Where yeah, he goes. He picks up his head. Laughing, headless Horseman style. Moment. Fails out of there. And why anybody would, if knowing that they are going to have to face the exact same repercussion, why anybody would go for the head doesn't make sense to me. And there's no glory to it. Because it's a better image. Yeah, but there's no glory to it because the guy just lets him do it. Like, it's not even a ploy or anything. The Green Knight just is like, here you go. And he just takes a knee and then tilts his head. And he's like, I'm lining it up for you. And it's like at that and he point, takes, yeah. Oh, he would have. I mean, or you could have chopped off a hand. You could have done anything. I mean, and that would have been less severe than literally beheading the dude, knowing literally five seconds before he says, "I'm going to do whatever you do back to." Back well, maybe to you. maybe he think, think figures that if he kills him, then he won't then he won't be alive to to do it to him again. <laughs> To return the blow. The guy is made of wood. He's yeah. a literal well, monster. I, you think yeah, that? Right, right. Like, well, yeah. I wouldn't take the chance. I, the fact that he's alive in the first place is a miracle in and of itself. Yeah. So, and then we see like torches are going out as he's walking by. Clearly, this dude's magic. It's magic. Yeah. So, so, well, so from there, basically, he, he goes. He, he waits a year, and then after that, he goes out on his quest to to, to meet the the Green Knight as a result of uh, in order to either. Preserve or his like honor. preserve or, his honor, preserve or even like sow it in the first place. Make like make it happen because to, to make a name for himself. Because right. even even he's, Arthur's saying he's a pathetic ha- this is- man child. Basically, the entire movie. Yeah, he is. Um, he is really so, unlikable main character overall. I, that's the interesting thing. His actions are definitely unlikable. I think Dev Patel's performance is enough to to attach you to him at least it was for me because like everything he does is is stupid like he's an idiot <laughs> um but but Dev Patel has has hit like his 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 natural charisma kind of cuts through that and is enough to like 
make you buy into the character and make make you want him to do the do the right thing. Um, so from there, he meets a whole bunch of people in the woods, and then eventually gets there. He gets to gets the, there to the the Green Chapel. And so that's kind of like the, the structure of the movie. That's the structure. I don't really want to give anything else off to there. I have more to say that. So yeah. let's get into the scores. Uh, first impression, what do you have? Oh, man. Three? Maybe yeah, even so less. Like Maybe even less. I hated this movie. This was like... like just because it was slower? Or? It was slow. It had no point. The story was dumb. Like, for the reason I'm saying, like... Dude, literally, like, just just nick him on the arm, and then it, there's no no well, big right, but deal that's about not this. The point. That's not the point. The point is that he's gonna do what, what good he can. Is glory if you're gonna get beheaded, because he's not thinking about that. He doesn't think that he's gonna die, or well, that he he doesn't think that he'll have to die. Well, then the character's a moron. Yes. <laughs> so then I don't care about him anyways. Sure. If he's a moron, and he doesn't deserve the glory. If he's a moron, isn't that like right. the whole well, point of like? And another part of this is that he's he's. He's basically being confronted with the his own legend, more or less. So, again, I feel like it's really difficult to... This movie doesn't really work unless it's in conversation with the original poem, where he's a completely different character. Um, so, again, that makes it a little bit difficult, but they do sort of set that up in the beginning with a, with a quote from the poem, um, where he's get, he gets his head lit on fire, and they had that creepy voice reading the bit for, like, this is the tale of old, but it's like, what I, I don't remember what exactly what it said, but it's like setting up, it's taking that, that quote from the poem and kind of setting up what's going to end up happening. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to give this first impression two, just because um, some of the visuals are pretty cool. I will give this an, I gave this an eight for my first impression. I think I like it a little bit more now, just because it's, it's grown on me, um, just in terms of the story. So if story, story is our next category, so I have, I have, a lot so I've made observations on this before um, so I really only want to talk about what I observed this time if you want to see what I thought the last time you can see my letterbox um, but there's so much like complexity and symbolism going on here so much like symbolism that it almost feels like too much symbolism it in is the sense. too much symbolism um, Th this movie is it's, almost it, nothing it, but symbolism yeah so so I love the bit at, so at the beginning the the man in the bar asks are, so this goes back to the the the, the picture of who, the legend, but the man in the bar asks him, "Are you Garwin?" Right after he's been being painted, uh, match cuts to him drinking. So it's it's his same head in the same place in the frame, cutting uh, as a symbol of of virtue, cutting to him drinking, which is him uh, in, get, indulging in vice. Right. Um, so this immediately kind of sets up the conflict of who Garwin is supposed to be as the as the virtuous character with who we are presented in the film, which is so. There's the the virtue is not absent. Like he's you see these images of virtue presented, but it's not what he that the path that he's following in. Um, so that's kind of where the conflict is set up. And then after that, there's like, I really love how all this, so there's there's more or less like three main chunks uh, if you take out the interlude. So, and I and I also love how the title cards kind of like separate this for you and kind of give you a sense of, it's like that that storybook quality um, and that episodic nature um, that give, I think gives it a real momentum. So there's the, the scene with the thief, there's the scene with uh, Winifred, the beheaded girl, and then there's the scene, so this is everything before the beginning in the end and then there's the scene with uh the guy in the castle and the and lady the giants so that's an interlude i'm saying i'm taking saying oh. yeah the, uh, take, 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 take that out yeah, so the, so the, all three of these basically function in very similar ways with and so they're revealing different aspects of this exchange basically so the whole the beginning and end are the exchange of gifts of of heads right um and so everything in the beginning is an exchange of gifts in one way or another um Winifred and the thief also both suggest that they've met Garwin before. How does um, the thief suggest he meet, he's met him? He says on the battlefield, um, were you the one who did this? 
who, who killed all the people, basically. And he says, I, uh, the axe has, but I was not the one who wielded it, I think is what he says. So, so the, everything in that in-between section feels like time is like really weird and warpy and like, cause like who's the, who's, who did the battle? It's not Arthur. Arthur's back at the castle. So, um, it's just, it's just a weird sort of like interchanging of, of like what's actually happening. And then Winifred sa literally says, do I know you? Um, both of them actually suggest that the location they are in is in some sort of relation to or actually is the Green Chapel. Um, so kind of the idea that the Green Chapel is not just the place that he reaches at the end, but it's extending backwards through those other locations. Um, and by the time he gets to the castle that the other guy is at that gives him the kiss, um, the, the so weird and okay, shoehorned so in. It is, it's not because he says, I'll give you what you earned during the day and he get, he he took a kiss from his wife so he returned the kiss to him um or he takes a kiss from him actually and gives him the fox in return um so he gave him the fox which is what he found during the day and he has to give him the kiss but doesn't so he takes it from him um so by the time he gets to the castle he has a bunch of images of himself already present in the castle so there's that the image of him and the fox running mm -hmm. which doesn't really make sense time is warped in some way or another where his image has preceded him so again the idea of the legend of goat garwin like hanging over his head the entire film and suggesting to him that he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing so once he's at the castle he's painted again similarly to the way he was in the beginning of the film but this time uh painted upside down um through a like almost camera type it thing was, it was which it I was a, it was a really interesting exposure some sort right, of expo yeah. light exposure which is why it's upside down um which is again a literal inversion of his supposedly virtuous image so it's taking that virtuous image and it's like literally upside down um and then upside down is another motif that runs throughout the film uh, yeah, upside down like when he's on the on the thing with the There's giants a long walking um, moment where it just the camera just rotates right and yeah um and so on. but in exchange for this painting that the lady paints of him she again takes and it's not him giving it it's her taking it so he it's like this idea of like you have to give something in return and he's not getting it so just like he doesn't give the kiss to the the owner of the castle he doesn't give anything to the lady in return for the painting um just like he doesn't give initially anything to the thief for the directions that he gives him um or other how, than his thanks right <laughs> yes exactly um and so the lady takes the bell from him which was a symbol of extramarital sex, prostitution, and vice, which was given him to him by Essel. And the lady who uh, is... The bell was more of a, a representation of her love of for him. Well, is that also... But the bell is actually, like, uh, something that prostitutes wore as a symbol of their, like, to identify them as prostitutes, I think. Or I think I read something about that. But that's what that's what it is. It's a symbol of her. And as a symbol of her, it's a symbol of her well, who she is, which is prostitute yeah. and, and basically, like, extramarital sex. Um therefore being vice. Um, so the lady who is identical to Essel um, in, in, in features but not in character um, uh, is exactly what Essel cannot be to Garwin, which is a lady, and that's why she's discarded at the end so when he goes at the end, when he does his future vision thing, um, when throw that spoiler. So he, she gets discarded for a different lady who actually looks weirdly similar to Winifred, the girl that the yeah. redhead girl. They look almost the same. They're not the same actress like they are with Essel yeah. and the lady, but they do look weirdly similar. Um, so again, all these little things that like kind of bounce off each other and kind of work together towards this yeah. this this idea of uh, you know. 
what is given must be taken. Like it's a very, it's a very sort of Old Testament type of idea where you you follow the rule of law or you die, uh, which is kind of what happens at the end when he is going to end up being beheaded. There's another also. Uh, there's just so much. So Winifred says to him. Also, the Green Knight is someone that you know, so that kind of thread is hanging over the entire film. And so by the end, different traits of Arthur, Essel, and his mother are all shown by the Green Knight. So Arth- at the very end, he he rubs Garwin's cheek in the exact same way that Arthur did to him earlier. Um, he slices his throat with his finger like Essel did when they were in bed. Um, and then the mother has kind of been connected to him since the beginning. I don't know if there's like any Her explicit. voice went through... Her, yeah, so through the uh, the fox, right? So that beforehand. that's what I said. I wasn't sure if that was explicit or not, but I did note that like it, the mother seems to be also connected to the fox in some way when she says your doom is at hand. Um, well, I mean, we see that the mother can like project herself apparently, right? Exactly. Stuff, so she was probably there with the um, fox the whole time. So I'm also curious if there's any sort of similarity between the Green Knight and Joel Edgerton's character, who's the owner of the castle, um, because actually in the original story, the Green Knight is him disguised as the Green Knight, mm. um, as a test for Garwin. So it's a, the original is, is very simple in its, in its execution um, and, and less vague as, than this movie is. And I almost feel like a hypocrite um, in, in a certain sense because the last episode I, I said how uh, the Batman uh, and superhero stories, I talk about fairy tales. In this movie, I praise, uh, I've praised, but it, 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 I'm curious in whether it actually functions as a fairy tale or not. And I think it does because it is so obsessed with the simple dichotomy of virtue and vice. Yeah. Um, so again, I, just all this kind of stuff that I'm saying about the story, it just I, I, I just love all that kind of stuff so i think i'll go with with nine for story but again i I, it still is a very morally complex thing which i don't i don't know if that fits with me or not you can read what i wrote on letterbox if you want to if you want to know more my thoughts but we're kind of running out of time here so what's your score for story uh i don't i mean how where do i even begin i i think that the story is overly it just seems ridiculous and and things there's so many plot holes and issues i have with it like the fact that just no matter what whatever he loses just happens to just be back mm-hmm. all of a sudden that's really that's annoying not, that's not a plot me. hole though that's what the movie's intentionally doing it's not I like know, just but it, it's it's it it just takes you out of it it's like okay so it doesn't matter that this person took it so this whole interaction didn't matter and now this is gone and was stolen but now it's back and this was gone and it's just like okay if you're gonna give it back then don't even bother stealing it in the first place the only reason is to have him be on foot most of the time like then just have him on foot from the beginning well, remember that happens in the vi- that's in the vision not in actual reality so well he's on foot in reality as Sorry, well are you talking about when the horse comes back at the end yeah yeah that's happens in his vision of the f- of the future so that's not actually literally happening um that's true. Okay, you got, you got me on that one. Uh, so yeah. Okay, that I reject. I take away the horse one, but the other two are still legit. Uh, re, I mean, those were before the vision. So talking about the, the I'm talking axe. about the axe, and I'm talking about the sash. So both of those were taken. So the sash is not the same sash. It's a different sash. I know, but it, she just happens to create the same sash with the same yeah. type of enchantment. Right. That her mother, like, and that's on. a bit of a mystery that I'm not sure how to answer, but I do think it is an interesting parallel because it's not the same thing. It's okay. a stolen thing that's given back to him in a different way. I know. It's just, um, it just was dumb to me. It, that was dumb. There's, I had a lot of issues with the story of this. Now I don't have time to get into, so I don't know. Uh, two. Uh, acting. That was all right. I don't. I didn't have too much of an issue with the acting. I'm going to give it a six. 
Um, I don't think these are like jaw dropping performances or anything, but it, it the, everything everybody does lend that creepy and mysterious air to the story, yeah. um, which is really great. And I think Dev Patel's performance really does carry because I don't think this movie works if he's not. Uh, likable as an actor because his character is not likable. So I think I will give acting a seven or eight. I'll probably go seven. Look and feel. It's very eerie and terrible lighting throughout. And I know the lighting was a a, a specific choice, but I didn't like that. Um, I'm going to say four. I, I love the lighting in this movie because there's like all kinds of, I love those things where they do like the strike of green or the strike of red. And I didn't get to talk about the symbolism between red and green throughout this, but like, I love how they're using lighting cues or even that like little glow that they put on his face as, as the green eyes coming in. So all, they, there's very intentional lighting choice that you can see. Um, and I, and, and just in terms of that, the cinematography all around is it, it can feel like a little bit of a one perfect shot type thing. I, I but didn't think it was bad. Like badly executed, I just think it was a bad choice the way that they do it. That's I should clarify. But um, still, I don't so I will go eight for look and feel. Okay, experience. I was bored out of my mind. It was dumb. It was slow. I felt like it was a total. I felt like it was a total waste of time. But I don't feel like I'm dumber for watching it like I did with with the Princess Bride. But this is one that I ha I mean I haven't disliked a movie in a, like this much in a long time. Well, it's so. more of like an intellectually kind of I, I that's the if if I'm talking about experience that's the one thing I I'm not sure about the movie is because it is more intellectually challenging than it is involving, but I don't think that's entirely the case because there are those creepy moments. Um the atmosphere is definitely heavy, but I do think primarily it's enjoyable as an intellectual experience for me. Um so I will give this another 8. Okay. Uh I don't know, man. Again, two. It got kind of interesting towards the end, but it was also like so eerie throughout the whole thing. It was just the whole movie is a downer. There's no real upside to any of it, and not to mention the ending isn't not even, till the end. The ending isn't even clear either. I didn't yeah, understand. I, we, could, we could argue about that, but I, I don't. I don't, don't understand. I don't know how it ends, and that it, it kind of is unresolved in my opinion. So that is a problem too. So I don't know. I I was disappointed. But what's our final score here, Gideon? Um, final score is a fifty-six out of one hundred. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where does that put it? Uh, just give me one or two. Towards the bottom. Um, same score as The Crimes of Grindelwald, which there's about to be a sequel in a couple days, so <laughs> or another one. So, all right. Oh well, gosh. this has been Script to Screen yeah. here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. Thanks for tuning in.